0: Okay, hey guys, welcome back to the Kinder Guys Podcast. I'm Zakia, and this is my Auntie Xanthi. If this is your first day with us, our goal overall is to create a space for kids to explore horror through fun, inspiring, and meaningful dialogue. We exist to help the younger generation embrace themselves for being different, break the stigma that horror isn't for kids, and to make a positive impact on the horror community at large. So today we're discussing horror and K-pop, and our guest is Francesca Ohop, who is a blogger and a screenwriter with a massive love for K-pop, which is quite interesting.
1: But before we get into it, I did want to bring up something serious that happened. Um, Well, this episode is going to be coming out a week after we discuss this. This past Saturday, November 19th, there was a shooting at a gay club called Club Q in Colorado Springs. They were actually planning to have an all-ages drag show or drag event the following day. I felt like it was important to bring this up because it's just really unacceptable and heartbreaking in our day and age that people are still being murdered for being themselves. A few months ago, it reminds me of Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany, where they canceled drag story time at the library. And that specifically scared me because... I felt like the military started making progress on queer acceptance, and I even contacted the local California congresswoman, and they basically replied super late and ignored it, but sent like a very standard letter saying, "Okay, um, thank you for emailing us, but we'll try to do something about it." But and of course they're not. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like Zakia, have you heard about this? Or are you are are people talking about this in schools about what's happening? Yeah,
0: no, I haven't heard about this. It's really heartbreaking. And then this is my first time hearing about it. So I'm very shocked that this is still going on because it's already kind of like modern day times where we're already kind of trying to, um in our society, we're already learning how to accept others. But clearly people haven't gotten past that. So I feel like it's getting, not getting old, it's just getting like, come on guys, like you should just like grow up and just accept people for who they are. Cause it's like, what is, their effect has to do to you in a way. It's definitely a heartbreaking thing to hear about. And I have not heard about that in school before, which is quite sad. And I hope they do eventually.
1: Like, how is it in school? Because it seems like, unfortunately, it's very normalized oh, right,
0: right, right. Um,
1: to be scared of school shootings and shootings in general. So how how is the general temperature of kids and teens?
0: Oh, so basically last year, we actually got a school threat um they're gonna someone's gonna shoot down the school last december or december of 2021 i remember this very distinctly because i my mom did not want me to go home i mean not go to school so but it was the week before winter break and it was finals week um my friends were like blowing up the group chat saying like oh my god there's an account blah 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 who's telling like oh we're gonna shoot up the school or whatever i was like "Mm, that's very weird i would never think that people would target a specific school but luckily I mean not luckily but um it was a student from my school and they weren't suspended it was a girl they weren't suspended and they're in middle school as well so it's like kind of shocking um I also heard about there was a school shooting in Burbank uh, high school I think Burbank I don't know if it was Burbank High or there's like a high school in Burbank that was someone targeted and like actually brought a gun and like targeted them. I would never think that they would happen to my school, but I mean, there was possibilities that were, it could have happened. It was quite scary.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. But yeah, I just wanted to bring this up before we go into our episode, because we have like queer listeners and especially queer, queer kids. And we just want to say that we like see you and we love you and support you and are so sorry that this is happening in this time, so please know that you are loved, and we are allies, and here to support you.
0: We completely support you guys, and I'm holding up a heart right now, guys. <laughs> Don't yes. worry. Yes, uh, protect queer kids and queer people in general. Yeah. So, um, we're gonna discuss our relationship to K-pop, um, and what we think about it.
1: I feel like the first time I was introduced to K-pop was maybe in my early twenties. I don't know which K-pop group was the one to introduce me because I it tends to blend with J-pop. BOA or BOA, she was one. And uh, Epic High, which we discuss later in the episode that they're more like K-hip-hop.
0: Wait, BOA? Is she a K-pop? Wait, BOA with like the weird A? Yes. Unless oh my she's god, like really? A- like the band BOA? B-O capital A. Oh no, never mind. No, this is a different one. Oh, okay. They're an English <laughs> rock band. Yeah, I was like so. I
1: was like so oh, confused
0: because okay. I thought the girl was. Okay, continue. Okay,
1: but yeah, I listened to, um, a couple of like when I was in the military in my early twenties, um, a lot of uh, K-pop, but K like Korean bands too. I was into rock mostly, so I remember there was this singer called Rain who was really popular at the time, like super huge K-pop star, and he was even in an American movie called Ninja Assassin. And we just loved him. We were like, oh my God, B-Rain. Be <laughs> um, yeah, uh, because I had friends who were Korean, a lot of that just kind of bled into my life. I, oh, K-Dramas. I loved K-Dramas too at that time. Um, like You Are Beautiful. Mm. I loved that show, Boys Over Flowers. Boys Over so Flowers, I was a- going to mention that. I love K-pop drama, guys. There's so many good K-dramas. And uh, have you heard of this show called Drama World? No. It's interesting, though. I would actually recommend it because it is like a comedy drama set in L.A. and South Korea. And it basically follows this American student who is obsessed with K-dramas. And she gets transported basically into her favorite K-drama. And it's a lot of fun interesting send it wait you didn't tell me your introduction to K-pop. oh yes me okay so basically i had this really
0: close friend in fifth grade and we would like do everything together her name is chloe Madrinan. i don't know if she remembers me or whatever i don't talk to her anymore but uh or them anymore so she used to be obsessed with BTS. i think she's still obsessed with the, i don't know I remember it was like COVID and quarantine hit and I just like got to like I uh got closer with her or whatever and we would play Roblox every day and um <laughs> that's really embarrassing to say. Well it was quarantine so what what else would you do? I would make BTS edits because I thought they oh. were so cool. <laughs> But I don't know why I did that. What I didn't even know—I didn't even remember their names. I, not no disrespect, like to them, like not knowing their names and still making an edit. It was just like really fun to do, and that's like my memory of like getting introduced to like K-pop.
1: I'm honestly really excited that South Korean culture has blossomed in America so well. Probably brought on by K-pop and also the popularity of K-dramas and Squid Game, especially. But it was funny because my mom, I was discussing that we were going to cover this episode and my mom's like, yeah, those kids are going crazy for those Korean boys. I heard it in the grocery Mm. store. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And I was like, okay, mom. Yeah. So how did you feel about our conversation with Francesca who wrote this article about K-pop and horror?
0: Oh, I I think she's genius. I think she's lively. She has a lot to say. I mean, of course you're going to have a lot to say about something you're passionate about because but you can like really tell that she has a lot of dedication, especially since she's been listening to it or has been um kind of in the say, in that realm since she was 15, which I don't know how old she is now. Like, honestly, it was like really great and I would love to talk to her again sometime.
1: I was really excited about speaking with her on this topic specifically because K-pop is such a fun medium, and that's something that I learned from her is that K-pop is not a genre, it's a medium. And there's so much um, that is misunderstood about K-pop because generally I notice adults tend to be like, oh, K-pop, that's for like teen girls, and it's not really that important. But if you check out this playlist that we'll provide in our show notes, which I urge you to watch, is a list of her selections of horror K-pop music videos, and the production value is incredible. These K-pop stars, they work so hard with the choreography, with the acting, um, all these costume changes. It's really quite impressive. So if you come into this episode being a little doubtful of K-pop and horror merged together, I really ask you to listen to this conversation with an open mind and reevaluate your notions about it. (laughs)
0: It's <laughs> like you're punishing like you're telling them like no you gotta realize that like you know it is quite an interesting like mixture though k-pop and horror like i never like thought about that before anyways guys um i hope you guys enjoy this episode of k-pop and horror and we'll see you guys in there
1: have entered Kindergeist, a horror podcast for
2: kids
1: and girls.
2: <laughs> My name is Francesca Florentina Ohop. I am a recent graduate of NYU Film School. I have written a couple of scripts that have gone to film festivals and have won awards. I also run a blog called real k-pop uh real as in r-e-e-l as opposed to r-e-a-l uh which is a blog for film students who want to learn about filmmaking through popular media specifically k-pop as opposed to learning just through uh old men's movies
0: (laughs) (laughs) and how did you get um started with that blog
2: it was actually um, a recommendation by one of my professors. He was the one who said I should do it because I kept going into his office and correcting him on things for like an hour. I would just come into his office and throw down some hot info. And he's like, you need to put this somewhere. <laughs> and, and so he turned it in. So he suggested I start writing and it became a way of um taking my thoughts and just putting them somewhere for people to see, which apparently is how you guys found me.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And how did you get into horror? Like what was your first horror?
2: Ooh, I've always had, um, an interest in macabre things and in spooky things. My dad, God rest him. He was very into Halloween. Like he took it to a whole new level And so I grew up with this love of spooky stories, but not necessarily scary things until I was, I want to say when I was around 10, I started writing scarier things and just sort of like noticing scary stories in the books I was reading normally. So I was a big Percy Jackson fan, and I kind of noticed the things that were existentially terrifying (laughs) and began putting them into my own stories and then discovering the genre of horror from there. And when I was like 13, I rediscovered this television show from when I was like five called Code Lyoko, which is more science fiction. But they had like genre parodies, so there would be full episodes that would be parodying very horror various horror tropes. So there was a zombie episode, there was a, what was it? There was a zombie episode. There was an episode where like a giant winter storm just attacked the town, and they had to actually deal with it. They there's, of there were a ton of interesting trope dynamics at play, and I began looking at those for inspiration. And then I started writing fan fiction and finding a community there. And my friends were like, yeah, we could try this horror idea. Sure. And so I ended up kind of practicing and then discovering more horror on my own from there.
0: That's great. I'm curious, when did you start writing? Cause you talk about it like as if uh,
2: you've been writing as you were three. Yeah. No, actually, <laughs> actually, yes. Um, I distinctly remember um making up little stories based on movies I had seen as a little kid, and my family members walking by my room and hearing me tell ghost stories with like my Madeline dolls, and getting really perturbed by the situation. <laughs> And so because because I would get like in depth with the backstories and the lore, they were like, are you you Are you doing all right in there? And literally, I remember putting my I even wrote like a picture book when I was four. It was just retelling Snow White. But I remember doing it and I remember loving the process of writing and the process of making up stories as early as that. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, that's wonderful. You found like writing at such a young age.
2: I had uh, parents who were very um, encouraging in that respect. My mother um, and father both really wanted me to learn about art at a young age uh, because I liked drawing too. And they had me read little books about the famous artists. And then they took me when I was four to the, I live in the DC area. So we went to the National Gallery and they had Picasso's in there. And my brother's name is Pablo. Uh, So I was a big Picasso fan, and I storm into the gallery, and I just go... Cubism, and then all these adults just look at me very confused. Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> oh, I love that image. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Like, and so then nice. I and then I was like dragging my parents around and telling them like about his blue period and rose period, and all of these adults were just like, "What is this child? <laughs> Who is
1: this?" <laughs> That's <laughs> great. So funny. Thank you. Before we get into the topic of like specifically horror in K-pop, I. Wanted to bring a scenario up to you, because like when we talked before, I mentioned how um, K-pop in particular doesn't get a lot of respect that it deserves. So let's say um, you meet somebody who says they don't like K-pop. How would you respond to that?
2: My go-to statement is everyone has one K-pop song that they like, and I just got to find the one that you like. Because K-pop is such, uh, I'll get into this more later. But K-pop is—it's kind of more than a genre and encompasses a lot of subgenres. And so, in musically speaking, there might be people who don't like the pop stuff, but will like the stuff that has a more rock-based sound to it. And that is how I would go about. I would go ask the person what music do you like, and then I would go from there and find the
1: one song i think would get them mm, that's interesting, interesting. yeah okay, you want to uh, just as a experiment Zakia? do you want to throw in like a music that you like and francesca can throw in a k-pop in return oh it's
0: because okay it was interesting for this uh podcast episode that you chose for like k-pop war because i've never heard of it before so like and plus i'm not like in a respectful manner. I'm not the biggest K-pop fan. That
2: is okay. <laughs> um,
0: but I do love I do love this one song. I forgot what it was called. I'll I'll, I'll try and remember it later. And I'm a very big uh I, very, I like very calm music. I don't know how to describe it.
2: Okay. Like No, I I think I'm the gears are turning in my head a bit. I think I can probably find some artists for you. <laughs>
0: um
2: off the top of my head, um There's a song called Starry Night by Mamamoo, M-A-M-A-M-O-O. And that song is has like a Latin beat to it, but it's on the calmer side. It's very centering uh, and also Windflower by the same band.
0: I'll definitely save this and listen to it later. Thank you. No problem. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She's like a matchmate like a matchmaker
2: (laughs) when it comes to this. I got my, I got my father who was a rocker in the seventies and eighties into K-pop. I could get anyone.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I did notice the uh, songs in the playlist that like most of it were uh, like rock, like mostly with the heavy uh, metal type of vibe. I feel like, which is interesting because I've never heard of that type of music before. So
2: that type of music in K-pop specifically. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, I kind of joke that everything. So, for context, uh, for the listeners, I made a playlist of sixteen songs. I want to say, uh, that exemplify horror in K-pop very well. Dreamcatcher. I put them on the list twice. Uh, I consider them the anime theme. K-pop subgenre, like everything they make sounds like an anime theme. And a lot of anime themes have rock sound to it, which I think very much shows in their music. Uh, It's interesting because a lot of a lot of K-pop bands change their sound or try different sounds at various times. I think that the metal sound is easier to pair with the Halloween vibes and with the horror vibes, and which is why a lot of them default to it. But I think that I did try to make sure that there was a, a balance in the playlist when I sent it in.
0: Yeah, I saw that. And I was like wondering, uh, when you're making these like this playlist. Did you like already have a whole list in your brain or were you had to like research as well?
2: I had it was a bit of both. I had a list in my head already, um, but I knew that there would be better examples if I went and actually did more research. It is hard finding listicles of K-pop videos that have to do with horror because a lot of them default to the same ones or default to ones that are more Halloween themed as opposed to actually being scary and so I had to really be discerning about the ones I picked from those listicles because I wanted to find horror I didn't want to find Halloween
0: and I'm curious what's your who's your favorite band or not band uh group if you had top three
2: top three so um honestly Vix and Purple Kiss are up there Dreamcatcher is also up there. The thing is, Vix, I have made it my mission to collect all of their albums because they're not actively making music as a group anymore. So there's a finite number of them and I can get them. <laughs> but in terms of new groups, I would say Purple Kiss is probably my favorite. And there are some groups I didn't represent on the list that I really like, like Super Junior. And But if I had to pick a group, I would say Vix. Definitely. I've seen them in concert once and I saw the rapper in a solo concert once. So
1: on, on the topic of like what's K-pop and not K-pop, because I'm curious about how uh they're classified because for example, I love Epic High, but I don't know if they're considered K-pop. Are they? They're more hip hop.
2: K-pop and K hip hop overlap a lot. I think that what makes K-pop separate is there is a very large performance aspect to it so the dance performances whether or not they go to the music shows there's a lot of putting yourself out there in k-pop that i don't necessarily see with every other um type of music for example i wouldn't necessarily consider k-alt to be the same thing as k-pop but i would consider k-hip-hop to have a lot of overlap depending on
1: how popular the group is. Mm, Okay. Going back to what you said about horror in the K-pop music videos, I did notice that they seem to downplay the horror. Like they didn't want it to be overly gory. So is that because K-pop fans are averse to it? Or is that a decision based from the industry?
2: So I think it's more of an industry-based decision because the VIX fans proved with how well Voodoo Doll did in its time. It was actually the performance of Voodoo Doll that Vix did was the first time they had won a music show, which is like a thing that happens very often in Korea. You go, you promote your music on stage with a bunch of other singers. And that is a gross oversimplification, my goodness. But that is is the gist. Um, They had been a band for a year and a half. They had been like performing for a year and a half. And that was their... That was their cutting off point. That was when they finally broke in. And I think a lot of that is probably due to how different the video was, how visceral it was. And we can talk about um, Voodoo Doll more in a minute, but I think that the companies are more averse to the gore than the bands and the singers are. Uh, The bands and the fans are rather sorry. Um, That's Sort of that has been my take overall because I haven't noticed any ever av- adverse reaction from fans to the gore. At least in my history as a fan, maybe I'm just in a weird part of the internet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: I did notice that. Um, out of the playlist, that Voodoo Doll was the most gory out of all of them. Yep. <laughs> uh, Voodoo Doll in black or white,
2: almost, cer- almost certainly.
0: Since we're talking about, like, hor- the horror genre in K-pop, what like but, like, what about the real-life horrors that the K-pop culture face? Can you, like, talk about that more?
2: Yes, I can. I actually wrote a screenplay about this called Black Ocean, which is one of the screenplays I've had going through the film festival circuit to try to get Buzz going for it. And I did have to do a decent amount of research on the horrors that K-pop idols and trainees go through in order to write that and to write that as respectfully as possible. My issue with the discourse around the horrors, because I think it is necessary to talk about them, is that that is all they talk about, especially Western media. They very much hone in on the horrible training process and how grueling it is for the idols as though the NBA doesn't do the exact same thing. And it's challenging for me as a fan because I have had people basically tell me I shouldn't be a fan of these singers because of the industry that's at play. But at the same time, I do feel like they are people. They, they are people and I wanna support them as artists as much as possible. So I think that supporting them ethically is really good. I try to buy albums whenever possible and add views to their YouTube channels and support them in other small ways. Because I know when some of these smaller artists get big, they'll be able to kind of break out of the cycle. And that that has happened. In fact, again, coming back to Vix because everything in my life comes back to them. One of the members uh, started his own record label, and he's been pretty successful at that. And there have been plenty of singers, even Cy, the guy that did Gangnam Style, started his own label. And I think that if we encourage that, if we encourage more singers to take over the business, the business side of things, we will actually see improvement in those things. I, I guess the long and short of it is that a lot of people like focusing on the bad parts of the k-pop industry and i do think those need to be talked about but they never offer solutions and they always stick to that scope which is very frustrating for me
1: very well spoken thank you thank you in your opinion do you feel like the solution is to give the artists more control
2: absolutely absolutely i think the solution is to give the artists more agency. Um, There are a lot of smaller companies that do that. There are a lot of smaller companies that don't do that, but there are a lot of smaller companies that have been getting bigger and have much more ethical business plans about how they deal with their singers. And I try to support those as much as possible, as opposed to supporting the K-pop industry at large, if you know what I mean.
1: Absolutely. Going back to uh, horror in (laughs) K-pop, I like the... What do you, how do we describe yes. this on audio? <laughs> the the very excited, like... Uh, hmm. Finger tapping. Finger tapping, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, Voodoo Doll. So let's go back to Voodoo Doll by Vix. You said it's arguably the first horror music video.
2: Yeah, so up until Voodoo Doll came out... Um, Any horror videos that were like that were done almost exclusively by smaller bands or in the scope of comedy. And for example, one of the songs I didn't put in the playlist uh, was Lovey Dovey by Tiara, which was just a zombie apocalypse happening. And then the, the girls are just dancing and the zombies are like clawing through the windows. And it's funny. But it's not actually scary. It's very much a parody of Thriller by Michael Jackson, uh, visually speaking. And it's it's just not memorable enough. The only thing that's memorable about it is that, aside from the intro, the zombie apocalypse happens during the fort first chorus. So if you're watching and you don't see the intro, you just get blindsided. <laughs> which I find very funny. Um, but other than that, um, horror hadn't really been a market for K-pop and Vix had just had um, one of their other songs, On and On, which featured uh, vampires in space, just a bunch of vampires getting shot into the moon. There's no story that that's it. That's all that happens. It's just they're hot vampires that get shot into the into space. I think when that came out, they began to realize, oh, we can work with this. And so then they came up with another song called Hide, which was a lot more In the horoscope, it's still not gory. And then they came out with Voodoo Doll. And Voodoo Doll is, first of all, like I had never seen, I don't know what genre of horror it even is because they're using voodoo dolls as a motif, but they're not using voodoo aesthetics in any way. They're just using the aesthetic of people that are designed to have pain put onto them and using very, like, dirty, cracked imagery and glass and all sorts of things. And it was, I have never seen anything like it before or since. And I think it, the fans really took to it. I mean, again, I spent a lot of time on the internet in that era, and there are a lot of fan fictions where people are just trying to figure out the lore of the music video and put their own spin on it because it's so unique. I, that is, that to me was the catalyst for what we would see later.
1: Yeah, I noticed with that one in particular, it had a lot of visuals of like pain equaling pleasure and yes. <laughs> um, body, uh, yeah, a lot of body horror. And um, yeah, you mentioned how it doesn't use voodoo aesthetics, but it almost felt like Saw, like the Saw franchise. Yeah, of being this yeah absolutely. Rhyming.
2: Absolutely. The, the grime, uh, the grime and the, um, the threads and piercings and everything. felt very, very physical. Uh, It's interesting though, because if you read the lyrics of the song, the translations, um, it's very intriguing because it appears to be about an abusive relationship. It appears to be an abuse victim from their own perspective. So it's someone saying like, this person's going to continue hurting me, but as long as they're not in pain, I don't care. It also features one of the most metal raps in all of K-pop. Let me actually find the, lyric, the, the lyrics because it is tis wild indeed. It, the lyrics paint a very interesting picture of what the actual music video is about. But I do think that a lot of K-pop videos are meant for a global audience. So analyzing them purely on visuals is also okay. Um, but it does provide interesting context for what the intent was when you look at it from the lyrical perspective. Let me find the...
1: Do you recommend that people also look at the English translation or is that tricky? Yes,
2: I do. I I recommend that for most K-pop songs, frankly. I actually have a working-ish knowledge of Korean. I can read it. Um, My speaking is just a little bit challenging. So I, and also because I've read these translations, I can sort of follow along in my head because I know more or less what's being said. But for people who don't know Korean, please look up the translations. Um, So the the lyrics in the rap are, Open the doors of hell, sinners who made her cry, cry tears of blood. Sing it, sing the song of the curse, tell me the hidden fury inside of you. My flesh is an offering to you, I'll devote myself to your happiness which is the most Ooh. metal thing <laughs> i have ever
1: heard. <laughs> oh wow. That Sabaton eat your heart out anyway. <laughs> you wouldn't um like get that from the song because it sounds so like, you know. Uh- it
2: does. It, yeah. It it really is this cognitive dissonance between um between the pop sound and the intensity of the visuals. So i i think it's inter- i do think it's very interesting.
0: Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about the Zed movie. I, did I butcher that name or no? That's exactly uh, how it is.
2: The Z uh, Zed or
0: yes, the Z uh, the, the
2: zombie movie that I mentioned in my article. Yes. Um.
0: So they made an entire horror movie just to promote a song.
2: Yep. I I still don't know what the business plan was there. <laughs> but I will say. Um. So for context, what we're talking about. Uh. Zed by Crossgene. Crossgene is slash was a band that kind of tried to do what Vix did, but just it never really panned out the same way. And they decided to make an entire zombie movie to promote one song called uh, Billion Dollar. And the, the movie was called Zed. And I have such, such mixed feelings about it. <laughs>
1: Wait, can you tell us what it's about and your yes, opinion on it? So
2: for context, it's a, it is, it actually, um, it's six guys and they don't explain it, but they're all wearing prison jumpsuits, which implies they were all in prison for some length of time. <laughs> and I, I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous. And they're just fighting zombies, trying to figure out a way to kind of get out uh, off. It's, I think they're in LA because one of the most confusing things is everyone is speaking their mother tongue and cross gene is a multinational band oh. so they're speaking korean Cho- mandarin chinese and japanese and it's not explained how they in- understand each other and everyone else is speaking english and it's just not explained at all and it is the most <laughs> wild surreal experience so they're trying to solve a uh, a mystery and then one of the members gets bit trying to save a young girl and they don't want to kill him so they just tie him to a chair and then try to solve the mystery on their own while this guy is just zombifying in the background of every shot.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: And the thing is, he's a very good actor. Terada um, Takuya, I think is his name, or um Takuya. He's very good. It's just so funny that he's just in the back, just like losing his mind, and everyone else is just like taking turns. One guy is like giving him a bath or something with like a washcloth and in like everyone the plot is happening in the foreground. <laughs> and eventually they find out that eventually they find out that music is uh what cures zombieism. So they decide to write a song that they can just blast at the zombies and sort of cure them en masse and they also decide like they also figure out how to escape the island but then they won't let the guy on they won't let Takuya on because he's a zombie they're like Are you trying to get us killed? No, like, even though he's just standing there, like, minding his own business. And then the zombies attack. They won't let any of them on except for the girl because they sort of just, like, throw the girl at them. And the girl's like, no, I don't want to be left alone. And then the song starts playing. They cure the zombies. And it's it's a time it's a time.
1: <laughs> Wait, where can we watch this? I think it's on YouTube. I think I someone uploaded the whole thing
2: to YouTube. Um, let me find it. Oh my God. And just every time I, I made that video, my entire personality in, in high school, cause I was a neurodivergent kid that didn't know how to talk to people. And so I forced a bunch of other like boys to watch it. And I feel bad that I did that cause it's not,
1: now that sounds amazing actually. Like that's Thank what you. I would do.
2: Thank you. Yeah, no. I I was I was I was that kid. I was that kid. It's fine. Anyway, it's a time and I think the ideas are there. I just it's, the six members of the band are the only competent actors. Like they literally dubbed over the young girl with a significantly younger voice actor. So there's just this cognitive dissonance the entire movie between like what you're hearing and what you're seeing. It's just, it's, it's a time.
0: Wait, I had a question to ask to both of you because my aunt is a director and you are you write scripts and it would be a funny thing. But like, would you guys write like a K-drama that was kind of like that?
2: <laughs> oh, right. I own would be down for it. I would totally be down for it. Take, take the concept of Zed and make it like polished, I would be up for it.
1: (laughs) I actually, yeah, I went through a K-drama phase, so uh, I love K-dramas.
2: K-dramas are wonderful. I would be up for it. I would totally be up for it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Love it. I did want to ask, going back to what you said, if you're comfortable talking about this, because you are neurodivergent. Yes. I am curious about how you feel the representation in horror movies are.
2: Okay. So um, I am... I have ADHD, I have um, obsessive compulsive disorder, and, sorry, I, and I have depression and anxiety. I think representation over all of those issues is just not good. And I think that as we get more and more neurodivergent filmmakers, I think that will change ultimately. And I think there are a lot of characters who are coded as neurodivergent who aren't necessarily openly so. And I do wish it was more explicit what they were going through and in a way where they weren't just villains per se. Like I I wish that OCD could be represented in a way that is, there's plenty of horror you can do with OCD, but the biggest horror is the horror that OCD does to oneself, not the horror that it does to other people. And that's the part that um, I personally struggle with, this idea that, like, that neurodivergence is horror for the observer and not horror for the the person who's experiencing it. I think that, especially because um, ADHD and autism are sister disorders, so even though I'm not autistic, I feel a lot of kinship with my autistic friends, and I want... There to be re- better representation on their behalf because they deserve to be represented in a way that isn't like, "Oh, you're socially awkward. You're probably a murderer."
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's fair to ask, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, is, is there an example of like something you've seen that's promising in representation, or and one that's really bad?
2: I have very, this isn't a horror example, I have very mixed feelings about how the show Jane the Virgin portrays ADHD because they portray it almost exclusively from the parents' perspective with the exception of an occasional sequence, like what is he experiencing? Which seems like a almost dumbed down way to express what what their son Mateo is going through. And then at the same time, they do talk about how medication is not bad. Getting therapy is not bad. So I have very mixed feelings because they portray a child in the most extreme case of ADHD and they treat it as though it is a a travesty. But at the same time, they do have very real conversations about it. So I just I have very mixed feelings about that specifically. Um, in terms of um, how mental health is portrayed in media at large, uh, Arcane, the, the League of Legends TV show, actually does a fantastic job of portraying both PTSD, anxiety, depression, and innate neurodivergence, which I think is, without getting into spoilers, there is a character who has a psychosis disorder, and they managed to use it for narrative oomph without making it seem like she is a bad person for having it which i think is a massive victory on their part
1: well well thank you so much for sharing
2: no problem
1: i don't think we've ever talked about this topic
0: uh in our podcast before so thank you
1: it's totally all right i'm i'm
2: happy to talk about uh neurodivergence especially because um i think that is one of the most insidious prejudices people have because they don't realize they have it. Um, I saw a post a while ago, which is if we are to accept and make safe spaces for neurodivergent people, we're going to have to make safe spaces for kids to Naruto run through the halls (laughs) and people aren't ready for that. And I think that that is very true because a lot of hyperfixations are symptoms of underlying issues and in a very positive way. And you know, I, I say issues very loosely, um, but I think that is one of the biggest issues for me as a K-pop fan. I mean, I have been obsessed with K-pop since I was like 15 years old. And that has been a huge thing that has shaped my who I am as a person. And I remember getting made fun of for it, but it was because I wasn't able to kind of articulately explain why I liked it. I was just like, watch this video. (laughs) I was very dramatic about it. And I can totally see why that put off kids. And I think that, um, I didn't get diagnosed until I was 18 years old with ADHD. And I wonder if, had I been diagnosed earlier, if that would have changed people's perception if they would have let me almost get away with it more because oh she's just having she's having a moment it's fine um but i can't um i can't go back i can't make that change in my own history so instead i just try to be as candid about it as possible so that i can make safe spaces for other people
0: great thank you no problem um so i was wondering if you only had to choose three K-pop horror videos from the list, which one would you, like, which ones would you choose?
2: Oof. Um, so Voodoo Doll is obviously my number one pick, but also Nerdy by Purple Kiss. I have a very, I, I love that video so much. And I, I can explain why um pretty succinctly, but I want to answer the other question. Oh, um, Nginga Mingayo by Billy. That one is the other one I would say, I think.
1: My top one was uh, Block B Jackpot. I
2: literally have <laughs> that one open. I was listening to it earlier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. And, um, okay, is it pronounced C-I-X? Oh, yeah, I'm actually I ask that not too. sure about that. Let me actually look up the, um, yeah, I I pulled
2: up the, the member. Uh, yes, it's C-I-X.
1: Okay, C-I-X, yeah. Um, Jungle and um, Shinny. Married to the music, shiny, shiny, like l- okay. l- like sparkly. Oh, makes sense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thinking about like the visuals, uh, like the carnival visuals, yeah, of, um, and everything with the uh, the video. Like, I noticed, um that seems to be a little less common in K-pop. I have too.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure why that is. To be completely honest.
1: Yeah, like the wackiness. Because I one of my favorite J-pop artists is uh, Carrie Pamu Pamu. She's very like wacky, weird. But um, I'm wondering if like, again, if the K-pop wants to keep it within like a certain style. So
2: the wackiness usually doesn't come into the horror, I think is the distinction. There's a lot of videos. Um, there's uh, one of my favorites is Catalena by uh, Orange Caramel, which is three girls who are like mermaid fish allegories and then they become sushi and then they, be, and then they like, it, it, it's a whole thing, but they have very wacky vibrant visuals in that one as well. Um, and there's, I could go off, uh, I could go on a longer rant about that, but I think that what I found very unique about jackpot was that they were using the carnival visuals as horror and, I watched it for the first time last week and I was sitting with my partner and we're watching it and the bike scene happens where they're just chasing her on the bike with the masks and I go, that is horrifying. (laughs) I hate that. I would hate that. Just being like a young teenager being chased by a bunch of grown men.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, yeah. And then like the clowns, first of all, Mm -hmm. and the, the girl that turned into like a ventriloquist dummy. So oh, I w- yeah. <laughs> I would just like ate all of that up.
2: Yes, it's very I don't know if either of you have listened to the Magnus Archives, but it felt very Magnus Archives. Um that's a it's a horror podcast. Um but it, it felt very akin to some of the stories in there. Um that uh I can't explain how without spoiling it, but there's a lot of Uncanny Valley nonsense in there and I love it. So that's what it it, it triggered for me. I was like, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, going back, because you were mentioning cross-gene, so you mentioned in your article, Amazing Bad Lady was banned for being too sensual. Oh, yeah. But, but I was like watching it and compared to like oh, U.S. The culture. choreography. No, it was the
2: choreography that got banned because they were lying on the ground and they like ran their fingers up their leg and then they thrust into the air and I, everyone was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> whoa.
1: But it's like very Michael Jackson does that all the time, right? <laughs> It's,
2: yeah. So, I, the music video standards, um, in terms of decency, um, you'll often see, uh, w- whereas in the dance versions of the music videos, they'll show the sexy dances in full, but then they'll like in the music shows, sometimes they'll show them waist up. It's just, I think it's because there's a lot of teenagers in the audience and they're like, we need to protect them. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's an event. That video is an event.
0: <laughs> so BTS, as you know, is the most famous K-pop group. But you said that they used to be underground. Can you talk a bit more oh, about yeah. that? yeah.
2: So BTS started out as um, a hip-hop group. And a bunch of the members had already been popular in the underground rap scene. So a couple of their early albums are almost exclusively rap with vocal, you know, in the chorus and whatnot. And that's still true on a lot of the B tracks of their albums now. I've noticed like they have certain hip hop tracks. Some of the members are still doing hip hop. The reason I didn't put BTS on the list of horror is not um, it's not a knock at their quality. I actually think they're quite good. Um, But they have done more thematic horror, like drama, basically, like doing things that showing people at their absolute lowest point in their music videos. And I didn't think that that was necessarily the right inclusion for the playlist, but they have gone very raw and they used to go a lot raw in their music videos. Um, it, it was funny. Um, I was telling your aunt this, that they were getting interviewed very early on in their careers as, and I guess the guy knew them from their underground rap days and he was like, so why did you become K-pop idols and like start wearing eyeliner? And they looked at him and said, cause we weren't getting paid.
0: <laughs> sorry, <no. laughs>
2: he's like, "It's like, I'm sorry. Like, believe it or not, underground rap doesn't pay very well. And we want us, so we want to build a fan base and connect to people like go step on a Lego. And I was like, And the guy was like, you're right. I'm sorry.
1: That's such a big decision to make to to decide to be like, do we continue on this path that we love or try to also be smart and like make a living, but have those two meet?
2: They actually it actually kind of came to a head earlier this year when they announced they were going on hiatus because they said we were we kind of entered this to be hip-hop singers and to be rappers and to be very raw and open with our emotions. And we have felt like we're just not able to do that right now. So that's why they went on hiatus. They're like, we're just going to go our separate ways for a little bit. And then we're going to come back and we're going to figure this out. I think K-pop fans were honestly pretty okay with that. But the Western media was like, how dare they take a break? Blasphemy. They exist for our entertainment. And I was like, just let them sleep. Like, (laughs) they just need sleep. (laughs) Like, it's okay.
1: That's such a huge problem in American culture. It is a big
2: problem in American culture. I just just think those boys should sleep.
1: (laughs) They've done
0: enough for us, to be honest. They
2: have. And they'll be doing more for us. Also, like, this... Oh, uh, I was talking to someone about this today, like they were saying the only thing I know about K-pop is that everyone's up in arms about BTS being in military service. And I was like, that's not weird. I would be weirded out if they didn't go into military service, because I actually um, I had a colleague back in college who was Korean, and he was explaining to me that that the military service thing is also a matter of national identity. It is like... People who are draft dodgers, basically, even though ever all the men get drafted, anyone who tries to like skirt out of it, you know, get American citizenship specifically so they don't have to do the draft gets almost excommunicated because they're like, you're you're sort of everyone else is doing it. You you need to do this. This is something you need to do. So I think that's why there was such a delay on the decision whether or not to let BTS go into the service and then that's why one of the members just said screw it I'm enlisting I'm, I'm just I'm solving that it was Jin he's like I'm solving this problem for all of you okay I'm just I'm gonna enlist y'all better follow along
1: I, I just I'm done with this <laughs> and
2: he just left
1: <laughs> wait so what age is it again that you have it's, to enlist um, by? Between
2: 18 and 30 I think is what I think is the age I don't know Korea does that thing where they add a year so I don't know if it's your international age being 30 or your Korean age being 30, so.
1: I feel like I would enlist as soon as possible because the older yes, I get, the more too. tired I get.
2: <laughs> me too. That would, if I, if I were a guy and I were living in Korea, that's exactly what I would do. I would just be like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to enlist and then hope they notice I have like chronic pain and <laughs> not put me in to the into the line of fire. That's what I would do. <laughs> Zakia, you looked like you wanted to say something and then you said something and then I cut you off I'm sorry I
0: did it's okay no problem um so um do you have anything else because like, you want to talk about
2: I wanted to ask what your top three were because we talked about your aunt's top three Mm. I wanted to ask yours
0: see I didn't make a list because uh, I was like iffy about but some of them didn't really catch my eyes like others I do like voodoo doll though
2: i'm glad i'm glad we all like that because it was
0: i feel like since that was the first even that was the first video that we that you had on the playlist too so i think that as the first video kind of just caught my eye in the first shot i really like i think i i really liked black or white and i think nerdy was good too
2: nerdy is probably my favorite k-pop video ever oh Yeah, actually, I I love nerdy so much um, because so um, again, like I was uh, kind of relegated to the nerd crowd in high school. We didn't have explicit clicks or anything. It was just like you seem like you would hang around with those people. And so that's what you did. And I also uh, grew up when the Pitch Perfect movie started coming out and their version of nerdy was like almost offensive to me because they would take the, all of the people who weren't conventionally attractive basically all got shafted in the first movie, got shunted. So the only character with glasses got kicked out and only female character with glasses, I should say. And then they invite, the guy group invites one of the characters who is very nerdy in a very charming way that I would, I would be his friend. Um, they invite him to join their uh, a cappella group with the stipulation that he doesn't be weird. And I have a whole article that I've been working on for months now because I have a lot to say on this topic and nerdy sort of the music video nerdy, uh, by purple kiss takes, That question of like what it is to be a nerd and breaks it down in a very interesting way because none of the girls are conventionally nerdy, but they are, I think, what we would consider nerdy, which is obsessive and quirky and interesting. And it's also interesting that they are the youngest people there, everyone else is considerably older. And I think what the movie, the video is getting at is that. Young girls are the most dangerous demographic in a good way. Hey, I see the thumbs up. <laughs> um yeah, I they're the most dangerous demographic in the most positive way possible because the co- companies like to decide what teenagers and young adults like and um try to fill in those gaps but they're the ones who ultimately decide trends. I found out recently that most new words have been created by teenage girls. Yeah, that's Fact. amazing. Yes, and I love that, that so much. It is It is amazing. And it makes so much sense because like of trickle up linguistics, which is like a pretty well-documented phenomenon that Black and queer communities tend to come up with new words, which end up getting co-opted by other groups. But it totally makes sense that teenage girls would also be using lingo around each other and then their parents would pick it up you know so nerdy takes that concept of uh of teens and young adults deciding trends and converts it into a horror aesthetic and i think that that is brilliant it's just it's so tightly edited tightly written it's it's fantastic
1: i agree i had that feeling of uh watching it of like immense like sisterhood with like the witches
2: yes I was like oh my god the catharsis <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no it it's it's uh fun I think that um that video and it came out like this year too and oh I'm, I like, saw oh, that yeah I was like that this is this is game changing as a as far as k-pop videos go and it is, um, I felt a very, I had a very similar reaction with that, frankly, as I did to watching Voodoo Doll when I was like 15. Like I had very similar rea- responses to both. The, the catharsis of Purple Kiss is, and uh, specifically of Purple Kiss Nerdy is just so good.
1: There was like, I think there was two music videos, I forget which ones, but where they had, like, a white American guy thrown in there. Oh, I saw that clear. Then- yeah. I was like, wait, what? Oh, it's like, <laughs> I was like, I wonder what... why well, was like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific choice. So, like, what, so I think what did in, you see?
2: So, I know Nerdy is one where there was, like, two other Asian people that aren't in the band, <laughs> and everyone else is not white. Um, I think in the case of Nerdy, it is probably a subtle commentary on how western media thinks they have control over everything.
1: Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. And
2: also western fans as well because I tend to notice a lot more entitlement among like western fan communities like um we want it to be this way or we want them to adhere to our social norms and it's like no no no, it's an entire other country like that has their own history and their own way of socializing like just we have to meet in the middle somewhere. It's okay. Um, and so I think that's what it was with Nerdy.
1: I don't remember what the other one was. I just uh, found it in my notes. It's a peekaboo red velvet.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know why they did that. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, so in the video, um, it's it's basically like they're in a hotel and the pizza delivery guy, they kind of like haunt him out, right? They chase yeah, him I out. Think house, oh,
2: I think it's a sorority house, actually. I think it's a sorority house. Um, yeah, because uh, it appears that they have been, if you want to look closely, like the pizza boxes say past deliveries." <laughs> like, deliverance. And they've been doing this for a while. <laughs> they've just been murdering pizza delivery men for a long time. And so I think the fact that he's white is just to imply that they're in like SoCal. <laughs> I think that's what it was because of the palm trees and everything. I think it's just to imply that they're in SoCal.
1: Yeah, like they they're not they're over here to like kind of haunt you over there too. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: they're over here. They're they're over here and uh they're just uh wreaking havoc on a small college community question mark. If you one of the last shots of the video when he's at the phone booth is actually like you see missing delivery guys and it's just like this 8 by 8 grid of faces.
1: <laughs> at that moment at the the phone booth, I was like, we're going to hear him talk in English. And then he never speaks. <laughs> and then he never speaks. He just dies.
2: <laughs> um One of the things I have noticed about the difference between like girl bands and boy bands in K-pop horror is that the girls just look tired. <laughs> They look like they're usually the instigators of the horror, whereas the guys are usually what's experiencing horror. And I just love the implica- implication that these girl bands are like, this might as well happen today. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, like, they're either literally doing the thing or they're just like, oh, fine, whatever. Like, in a ginga Yo, like, which is one of the most... I never expected a pop video to be so gosh dang eldritch, but here we are. Um, yeah, and they're just like, oh, I guess we're we're all trapped in a hell dimension now. Oh, that's fun. Let's just deal with it. And it's like, okay, I don't know if I'd be that good under
1: pressure. Since uh, our audience is kids, can you like just like a brief explanation of eldritch horror?
2: Oh, Eldritch Horror, um, like the unknowable, the, you know, the the creatures that reside within the deep expanses of the ocean or space or what have you, the things that sort of are on the edge of reality. Like you think you understand them, but you can never fully understand them, which is one of my favorite types of horror because it has such good world building potential.
0: Okay, well, it seems like we all talked about what we wanted to talk about, unless you have more stuff you want to talk about what you're open to.
2: Um. Yeah, no, I, I will say, um, as sort of just like final notes, Um. one of the things I did notice when I was looking through everything is a lot of the horror that K-pop videos do seems to be environmental. Like I, I noticed that they're often trapped in a place or they're in a space where things are happening. And or they are in circumstances in which things are happening, and I think that might have to do with actual aspects of Korea's history. Um, I have one of my best friends, um, studied East Asian languages and culture in school, and she explained to me that basically, um, since ni- the early 1900s, uh, Korea has been occupied by one force or another, especially in South Korea, and so there is this ever-present um pressure on the outside not to mention social pressures within like society in the country a lot of the a lot of school boy schoolgirl horror i've noticed uh which probably has a lot to do with um edu- educational pressures so i think it's interesting how and i, I wish i um uh, I wish I could talk more about it, but then we get into, like, the history of fascism in the region, and that's good. That's an entire, like, lecture in of itself, entire podcast episode in of itself. I think that it's interesting how much generational trauma intersects with um, the music videos.
0: Thank you for that, mention. Okay, so... We do these things at the end where we we ask top three questions that we ask all of our guests. So um, what children's horror would you recommend?
2: Definitely Code Lyoko, because that's basically how I got started. As I mentioned earlier, Um, Lyoko is spelled L-Y-O-K-O. The English dub is atrocious, so I'm sorry, but it's worth it. (laughs) (laughs) it is it is uh, it is very the animation is very early 2000s like it came out in 2003 and it looks like it came out in 2001 but it's great so that's what I was saying.
1: oh did we lose her
2: we lost her briefly
1: oh no here let's wait a second maybe
0: she'll sorry come. about that guys I think my brother's playing Roblox again <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> can we leave that in can we leave that in Yes. Yeah, leave it in <laughs> Leave it in. Yes, please. <laughs> so, what advice would you give kids who want to get into K pop but don't know where to start?
2: So, I would say um, there's no, first of all, there's no shame in liking Blackpink and BTS. I, I'm going to say that up front. Like, there's no shame in liking the most popular groups that are out there. They are popular for a reason. I think that it's totally okay to be jamming out to uh, Dynamite by BTS and just living your best life. I do think that it's more fun looking into the newer K pop groups. So there's N hypen which is um, same label as BTS. Uh, you, you have Purple Kiss and Billy and uh, Stacy, which is another girl group. Um, there's a lot of fun newer groups. And I also think that the uh, fan communities and the smaller fan bases in the US can be very encouraging. I still have friends from my Vicks fan community back in like, when I was like 15, 16, I still have friends from there. If you're interested in K-dramas, uh, highly recommend uh, The Uncanny Counter, which is on Netflix. Um, it's also very horror-esque, but the main character is like high school aged. And so he's, uh, and he's ridiculously charming and just a uh, total soft boy he's like the he's like the deku of <laughs> the the deku from my hero academia of k dramas um and then just uh always be respectful towards your k pop idols um even the ones that aren't your favorites like uh learning what being respectful means that's it's kind of a learning curve um because it's a new fan base new community but you know it's always important to treat idols well even if you're like competing uh, your group is competing against another one like don't send hate you know just just cultivate a good fan community in your own space
0: yes i think that should apply for everything too like every
2: uh
0: genre of of course course, right of course (laughs) oh and i wanted to mention i found the uh song it okay it's very popular because it's by twice it was talk that talk i think
2: Ah, i love twice
0: twice yeah yes okay
2: i love twice so (laughs) twice had a video that i almost added to the list but it was more halloween less horror and it was called uh, a tt which is the little tear lines the tear emoji
1: i didn't know that was the name for it Yes, the little because
2: when you do two t's two capital t's it looks like crying. crying and uh and they have like and so the song like they keep putting their fingers like this and it's really cute um uh, but they're also like, that's a fun video because they're all wearing different Halloween costumes and, uh, with like full setups behind them, superhero costumes, standing on a roof kind of thing. And that one's just fun. Um, no, twice is good. I, I love twice.
0: Okay. I, I'm kind of getting into their music more. I honestly kind Yay. of like, imp- yeah. Um, and do you, lastly, do you have anything to plug and where can people find you on social media?
2: sure so you got. so you can find me on um my what uh my instagram and tiktok are the same they're francesca underscore st underscore genevieve with the one and three the i and e being replaced by a one three i'll just i'll just ask them to put it in the show <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'll just yeah we'll put it in the yeah notes.
2: no i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry about that i'm sorry that my instagram name is hard to explain um and then my websites are um hopscotchart.com with a k instead of a c in that scotch part and uh realkpop.com my youtube is just my name <laughs> my youtube is my name you can find some of my videos there and I have a couple of scripts that I've been sending to the two film festivals. One of them is a horror. It's a horror YA pilot, which is I've been describing it as um, lesbians in a minivan helm hunting uh, elder to knowable monsters.
0: Oh, <laughs> interesting. Thank you. Well. I
2: was just like, I, I'm, I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. And I was like, you know what? Why do straight people get to have all the fun? I want to be in I want to get, I want a road trip where I get to hunt monsters. That sounds fun. So that's what I wrote. And I have a couple of other scripts um, that I am writing as well that hopefully I'll get to send to more festivals and hopefully uh, sometime soon, some of these will actually uh, get made, which would be exciting. And I will let you know when that happens.
0: Thank you. Oh my gosh. That's so cool.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Best of luck.
2: Thank you. And thank you guys for having me so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: Of course. Of course. So, thank you so much, Francesca, for taking the time to like speak with us on your own time. Like, we're so grateful that our guests have always sacrificed their time to film with us. And we're so grateful to have you as one of our guests on the podcast.
2: It's been a pleasure
0: so thank you so much guys for listening um subscribe to the podcast and add us on instagram twitter and tiktok all you have to do is search up kinder guy's podcast and remember you're loved you're baddie and remember to always live on the fried side bye